0: Good morning again, everyone. So as has been mentioned, we're beginning um, a new series at the chapel on body life or life in the body. And this morning, uh, the title for today's message and sermon is Affirmation. um, That we should be affirmed that we are in the body. The church's body, and I am part of it. This is not a man-made analogy, but is one found in the Bible. I am in the body of Christ. You are in the body of Christ. Take a moment and just think about the implications of that, what that means. It's a beautiful thought. It should provide comfort and consolation and peace and joy and wonder that we as human beings here on earth are the body of Christ. And the reality of this truth is the starting point for this series of sermons at the chapel. Last week's sermon was on the simplicity of the gospel. This week we began a series on the church, body life. In the series that we had when Ken was here with us where he opened up the greatest commandment being to love the Lord our God with all our hearts and souls and mind and strength. Um, Four components of a total whole being. Um, They could be looked at individually, but really couldn't be taken apart. And the same is true of this series on the church as a body. We're gonna look at some different components um, to that, some directives to the church, um, and they can be discussed individually, but they can't be separated as they touch each other on many sides like pieces of a puzzle. We could ask ourselves, what is church? Something we do? something we don't do, a social club, a service organization. For those of you, I I mean, there was a Christian artist that was probably the grandfather of Christian music, Larry Norman, in one of his songs as he watched people leaving church and watched people passing a beggar um, who gave him nothing and perhaps all he wanted was cheer In his song, he said, well, perhaps church is middle class. Let's hope that that's not the case. So why are we here today? To make my parents happy. I could say that I'm here to make my parents happy. They're happy that I'm here. It's what I do. Um, I would feel guilty if I didn't go because it's just part of my fiber and my being that I would be here, so if I took a Sunday off, I'd feel guilty. I like the people. It's convenient. They don't ask for money. I like the teaching. I'm a Christian. It's American, isn't it? To go to church? <laughs> but it should be. Amen to that. <laughs> um, how far our culture has, has moved from, from a God-fearing culture based on Christian Judeo-principles. 20th century Russian theologian George Florovsky wrote, Christianity entered history as a new social order, or rather, a new social dimension. From the very beginning, Christianity was not primarily a doctrine, but exactly a community. There was not only a message to be proclaimed and delivered, but good news to be declared, and there was precisely a new community, distinct and secular. In the process of growth and formation to which members were called and recruited, indeed fellowship or koinonia was the basic category of Christian existence. In scripture we find the church um, called the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, and a building or rather a holy temple being built to God. Each of these images, um, which are taken, they're taken as a whole. We don't expect to see limbs removed from the body and laying about in different places. We go to see a beautiful cathedral with the stonework and the stained glass, not a construction site with debris laying around in piles. A bride gives her whole self to her husband, not some percentage of herself. Our bodies as humans are absolutely amazing. The number of processes that go on automatically are staggering. None of us are thinking about whether or not we should take a breath, or reminding our heart to keep beating, or digesting the snack that we just ate. There's so many processes going on automatically. And beyond these processes, um, there are learned processes or imprints, imprinted patterns in our lives. Um, an athlete doesn't have to think about running and catching a ball as he goes out for a pass. Or someone playing tennis with the tennis racket as an extension of her arm doesn't have to think about where the head of that racket is any longer. Or a hockey goalie stopping a puck that's coming in those are all things that through practice have become second nature Oop, i'm a slide behind <coughs> paul writes in romans 12 do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. A main point that we need to take away here is that we need to have our patterns changed. Do not conform any longer to the pattern Of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind have your pattern changed I'm gonna read through Romans chapter 12 (coughs) because it's the first mention of the body of Christ or the church as the body of Christ in scripture I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself, In showing honor, do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who bless you. Who persecute you, sorry. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep So Paul has made the first mention of the analogy of the body in the New Testament here, and he he follows it with a list of abrupt commands telling what God's will includes. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Honor one another above yourselves. Share with God's people who are in need. Don't be proud. Live at peace with everyone. We should be so grounded in God's word that we react the right way because a pattern has been formed in our lives. Think about the development of a child. We thrill when that new baby smiles at us for the first time. We take note when they roll over, getting all the muscles in enough coordination to roll from their belly to their back or their back to their belly we watch as they stand, holding on to a piece of furniture for the first time. And then, as they take that first halting step, we watch that step of of that baby. And then, they take more steps, and they start to run. But we take for granted the process in walking. All the visual cues that that child had to learn to take in so that they could walk. The muscles of the neck to hold the head erect so that it's not falling over. The coordination of the muscles in the legs so that one is contracting and the other one is relaxing relaxing, so that, so that they can walk. In the same way, we should Um, It should be true for us spiritually. That our pattern response to what life throws at us is almost unthinking because our minds have been renewed through Christ and the knowledge of him through his word. Amen? Amen? Paul never dwells on some subtle psychological distinctions or explores all the family and sociological factors that would make such obedient behavior difficult. He doesn't coax us to right living, he simply states what it is and admonishes us to renew our minds. We could paraphrase that he is reminding individual cells that they are part of the body and that's their new identity in Christ. The Bible calls this a sacred mystery. Ephesians 529 to 32. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. So often we just think of this passage or these verses in connection with a wedding ceremony about a man and a woman coming together and being married. But it should; these verses, it, we should be blown away by the thought of a human being, us, joined to God, the God who dwells in unapproachable light, Light because of Christ's work on the cross, we are intimately joined to the God of the universe. In First Timothy, we read, He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, He who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whose angels cover themselves with their wings. We read this in Isaiah 6. They cover themselves because of the glory of God and we're joined to him as the body of Christ. That knowledge should bring us joy that is inexpressible. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, You believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Affirmation. If we're in the body of Christ as Christians, this should be our response to that, that we're filled with inexpressible joy that would not make it any less part of the body. If the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If one one member suffers, we all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administering, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way." So Paul opens up this analogy of the body even further, and we're reminded that as in the body we need each other. Beyond simple, simply needing each other, we must work together with each other for the body to function normally and in health. There are over 200 cell types in the body, There are trillions of cells in the body of various shapes and sizes. We need to be happy with whatever we're doing in the body, not wishing it was something else. We need to respect each other with no question of relative importances. No one is to be taken for granted. As we view the church this way, what a blessing we have to be part of the body any social organization should pale in comparison to the true universal church and its holiness. When I was in dental school, um, I, Aunt the Simmons, she was a frail old lady. She didn't get out of her house much. Um, I gave her my exam schedule. Every time that I had an exam, I knew that she was praying for me. I used to say that 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 lady prayed me through school. I never neglected letting her know when my next test was going to be because I knew that she was going to be before God on my behalf. We sympathize with each other. Our whole body can be functioning well and in good overall health. But put a sty on your eyelid. Put a planter's wort on your foot. Our whole body becomes miserable at that point, right? We can have everything working, and we've got just a couple little minor things that aren't quite right. And our body suffers. It's not that my foot is suffering or my eye is suffering, you know, it's that my body is suffering because there's one part of it that isn't functioning well or isn't in a place of health. So what is our mental image of what this body of Christ might look like in a physical sense? I doubt it, my image is not that of a sumo wrestler or Jabba the Hutt or an emaciated war orphan, but more likely my my image would be Michelangelo's Statue of David. Beautiful, perfect as a whole, because all the pieces are put together and working in harmony, not some grotesque figure contorted because the body's in spasm and fighting against itself, but a body that is beautiful and whole and working together. Sometimes within Christianity, there's so much apparent division and often outright hatred toward those who believe differently than we do within the body of Christ. The unifying factor in debates within the church must be a common commitment to the head, Jesus Christ. We will disagree on interpretations of what he said, that is Christ, or what he meant, um, and what is the best means of accomplishing these goals in a hostile society. But if we fail to find fellowship in our mutual obedience to him, our actions will be seen not as reciprocal, counterbalancing one another, like the analogy that I gave of walking where one muscle is contracting and another relaxing, but spastic, futile contractions. I had a patient years ago. He was a Roman Catholic priest, Father Macaron. Had to have a sense of humor with a name like that. <laughs> and, um, we enjoyed each other very much in talking about our faith. And he had been in a parish where um, they had a vacation Bible school that was a community vacation Bible school with all of the churches coming together um, and serving the community in a Bible school um, as a community and body of churches. And I said, Father, how how does that work with such differences between the churches and, and the different denominations? And he said, we celebrate those things that we have in common. The deity of Christ, salvation through his name. And I thought that was a beautiful answer. It's so difficult to pull off something like that, and he and I certainly had our differences as far as scripture was concerned. But we should look to celebrate those things that we have in common with other believers. He was a true believer in Jesus Christ. Cancer in the body. A tumor is called benign if its effect is fairly localized and it stays within membrane boundaries. But the most traumatizing condition in the body occurs when disloyal cells defy inhibition. They multiply without checks and balances. Their growth is spreading rapidly throughout the body, choking out normal cells. White blood cells within the body that would be armed against a foreign invader don't attack the mutinous body of of the mutinous cells of their own body physicians fear no other malfunction more deeply it's called cancer for still mysterious reasons these cells and they can be cells in the brain or the liver or the kidney or bone or blood skin or other tissues grow wild and out of control each cell is funct- a functioning cell but disloyal, no no longer acting in regard for the rest of the body. They grow while other cells may be suffering from malnutrition. They press on and damage healthy tissue. Left alone, they eventually kill the body. Scripture speaks strongly against hating our brother. This image is a sad, sad reminder of the possibility for mutiny within the body, an unhealthy and toxic environment. I'm having a hard time with this clicker. (laughs) I just have to remember to push the button. (laughs) Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. For you were called the freedom brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. We're commanded to love and serve one another, and we're also reminded that we're capable of biting and devouring one another. We're a society that critiques everything How many likes did I get on my Instagram posts? We're on Facebook and we've got thumbs up and thumbs down, right? We leave feedback on Amazon, on Google. We go to a restaurant, they want our feedback. Were you happy with the service? Um, Did you enjoy your meal in so many places? Do we carry that into church, that idea of critiquing everything? We critique the leadership, we critique the music, we critique the programs. You're critiquing the sermon. I critique sermons. I mean, you know, we want things done excellently and we don't want things done well, but at the same time, do we have a critical spirit? Um, How do we balance between wanting things done excellently and for the glory of God and simply having a critical spirit. I can think of nothing worse personally than if I were a cancer cell in the body of Christ. In the church, so many things are going on or need to go on, many of which are behind the scenes. We need helpers, administrators, those who work quietly in the background, who see a need and do it. Christ's body is here in us. If there's a task to be done, we need to do it. A taught child requires a teacher. A story told requires someone to tell it. Hands to work, feet to run errands, a voice to speak. After World War II, there was a cathedral that was damaged from the Luftwaffe bombings in England. And (coughs) a group of German college students volunteered to help rebuild the cathedral. And there was a large statue of Jesus that had been damaged severely. They were able to put together the entire statue, apart from the hands. Before the damage, the statue with the outstretched hands had the inscription on it, come on to me. Careful patching could restore all the damage but the hands. And so the decision was reached And still stands today that the statue of Jesus has no hands. And the inscription now reads, Christ has no hands but ours. It's a beautiful thing that 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which has all of the main teaching on the body, right, is followed by 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's Paul's beautiful love poem. So following his teaching on the body is a beautiful poem of love. Love is the only thing that truly can bind us all together. We should be quicker to tell each other that we love them. I go to a gym, and one of the owners of the gym, more often than not, when he greets me, will look in my eye and say, I appreciate you. And then, bring the point home, he usually repeats it and says, no, I appreciate you. He's not a follower of Christ. As followers of Christ, we should practice affirming our love and appreciation for each other. It will change our hearts, and we will be a healthier body. I do believe sometimes that if if we say those words, I appreciate you, or I care for you, or I love you, there's a change that occurs in our hearts even if we're not feeling it at the moment that we said those words. Lord Christ, we'll close with this prayer. Lord Christ, you have no body on earth but ours, no hands but ours, no feet but ours. Ours are the eyes through which your compassion must look at the world. Ours are the feet by which you may still go about doing good. Ours are the hands with which you bless people now. Bless our minds and our bodies, that we may be a blessing to others. Amen.